This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hey everyone, uh, Paul Cochran here. Hope you listeners are well. I am president and founder of Providence Advisors Group. Our show here is called Making Finances Easier. I'm joined with my friend and colleague, Garrett Crawford. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Paul. Good morning. I was out of town last week at a financial planning conference, but I'm back. And trivia question, Garrett, what's your most memorable University of Tennessee football game? Uh, I, I Maybe I'll do sh- two quick short ones, but uh, I think my first one was I was uh, when I decided to go to UT uh, Knoxville for college, I didn't really apply to any other place. I just thought, you know, UT is the best school in state, in state tuition. Let's do it. And uh, I had already signed my admission paperwork, said I was coming up to Knoxville, never been to campus, never been to Knoxville. And uh, my aunt and uncle brought me up to a Tennessee Vols football game. I grew up watching the Vols, and I knew that it was a big stadium. But I remember when the Power T came out and when the Power T breaks and the players come in, I'd been 17 or 18. And I was just taken aback with how loud Neyland Stadium was. In fact, as a... 18-year-old, I remember it was like, ah, I put my <laughs> hands over my head, and uh, it was it was uh, very memorable that it was like, it was just very different than what I had anticipated after watching the Vols for 10 or 15 years uh, as a kid, but then, you know, the other short one is I got to take my son to his first couple UT football games the past couple of years, and last year he didn't really know what what was going on but this year uh he kind of knows that a touchdown is six points and a field goal is three points and uh uh we had a blast so i'm sure that'll be one that i look back on for a long time what about you paul i actually already know what you're going to say because i'm jealous of this memory but go ahead yeah last year we had some uh colleagues some friends that we've known some since the uh, early 90s and others uh, just uh, through the years and they came into town and um we took them to the Bruce was sick and he couldn't go, but we took took the crew to the Alabama game, and uh, we were a little bit spread out. We were in a couple different rows, but we had uh, we actually did a hike on Friday and then went to the game on on Saturday, made a full day of it. You know, went down to the Letterman's Club, the whole nine yards, and um, it was an overwhelming experience. Uh, the you talk about how loud it was. I literally had to, you know, put my hands in my ears. Some it was, it was deafening. <clears throat> and we had, we had lost kind of so many squeakers so many times. When they finally, when the when the buzzer went off and we had we were this the score was in our favor. We almost cried. In fact, yeah. I think tears did come down our cheeks. We were like, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it really happened. I think the Alabama fans <laughs> knew it was coming at some point. But, yeah, you're right. 
And so, so did you end up making it on the field and uh, in the in the mass down there last year? Or? Not in a million years. <laughs> That's not my jam. I I stayed uh, uh, way away from that. Al- although nobody nobody left. It wasn't a hurry to get out or anything. We were high fiving and hugging, and it was a big party. Uh, it didn't seem like people were rushing off, nor did we. But it was uh, we had a. Uh, hitching our giddy up, man. Well, I honestly we think back outside of a national championship game that Tennessee won, that's got to be high on the bar of most unforgettable Tennessee football games yeah. maybe ever. Pretty pretty amazing for sure, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, would agree. So um, interesting times in the financial markets, and um, it was interesting because this morning you had hearkened back to this article that I wrote for CNN Money back in 2012, and someone had asked, um, is is 6% uh, taking 6% yield from my portfolio, is that is that a risky uh, alternative? And this, this particular individual had a, um, a TGEIX, which is a, a TCW Emerging Markets Income Fund. And so... Uh, Mark uh, Mishaw, the guy that was uh, interviewing me, asked, you know, hey, is that a, is that a good idea? And so I, um, it's so interesting, and I'm kind of glad you brought it up because <clears throat> it's a little bit it, – it, I'm sure it might sound a little bit self-serving for the listeners uh, or to the listeners that I would say this, but the, the way you generate – uh, yield the way you generate income from year to year, uh, from decade to decade, uh, it changes quite a bit. And so, if you the same strategy that someone would have used in 2012, it wouldn't have worked in 2018, and it wouldn't have worked in really 2015, and it wouldn't work. Uh, in the past three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so here we are in a place where uh, there's a, there are a higher interest rates, which is kind of good news, bad news for, for bond uh, values, but the yields are still, you know, pretty good and they're going up. And so like we have a stable value fund that's a little bit north of 5% right now. So you could have money invested getting a 5% yield off that and the money be liquid. Yeah, I was going to jump in here just with a little context. Uh, I've been telling clients this, but I remember, uh, I think it was 2019, we had a, a client lunch and we had a one of our investment people down from Gradient and they were giving a lunch talk and uh, I remember he was kind of explaining the dynamic or the landscape at the time with interest rates and you know most most of the people that were at our lunch were uh, in the retiree season and he said you know here we are in 2019 and interest rates are really really low I think that was kind of a political football at the time whether they were going to raise or lower them and he said uh, low interest rates are great for for some people and he pointed to me he said people like Garrett you know uh, they're younger his crew they're buying houses uh, they're taking mortgages out. You know, they're loving this 3% interest rate environment. Uh, but you know who that's not great for? 
And he said, mostly everybody in this room, he said, when treasury bills and, you know, whatever are generating maybe 1%, that's just a, that's a really hard season for retirees to be able to generate income uh, conservatively, safely, efficiently. And he says, a lot of you are having to take a little bit extra risk to generate the 3 to 4 to 5% that you need. To, to pay your income bills. A lot of you probably aren't fortunate enough to have a pension and you have to rely on your investments. But it's interesting, that was 2019, that was um, shortly before COVID hit in 2020 that we had that client luncheon. And uh, yeah, the world has tremendously shifted. It's mm-hmm. now exactly the opposite. <clears throat> yeah. So interest rates are much higher. Uh, if you wanna go out and buy a house, put money down on a mortgage. People in my generation, well, actually, probably Gen Z, the people that are graduating from college right now, I feel really bad for them. It's like houses are more expensive than they've ever been. I think I read somewhere here in Knox County or Knoxville City proper, it's like there's not even a house below 300000 or at least if there are, it's very few. Um, I think they said that was the median price, what I read. But anyway, house prices have just shot up tremendously. And anybody that's 20 22 years old and wants to buy a house, newly married, they might have to put down 300000 or maybe not 300000 but they've got to take out a $300,000 mortgage mm-hmm. for a house. And when you top that off with a 7% interest rate, uh, you know, it's like renting isn't that much better. It's just hard for them. But the flip side for probably the people listening to this radio show and a lot of our clients, now interest rates being higher, uh, kind of make the the retiree living off their investments, it can make it a little bit uh, easier. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy, but easier uh, when interest rates are higher and you can take less risk and generate, you know, four, five, six percent interest. And so I, I think it's interesting that article titled that, you know, is my six percent income strategy too risky? Uh, you know, there's a lot of variables that maybe we'll talk about it, but we're kind of back into the 2010s, early, you know, pre-2010s where interest rates are high again. So retirees are just wondering, what does that mean for me? And I think overall, it's a better thing than not. Yeah. I think it's important also to have a little bit of a historical perspective. We had uh, zero interest rates uh, or very low interest rates for so long. um, People were spoiled. And when you look at interest rates historically, there are listeners who who, are, who hear my voice right now who had a, a 12%, a 15% mortgage at one time, and they were glad to get it. Yeah. And so, so right now, when we think of a 15% mortgage, we all kind of go into a conniption. You know, how, how, is that, how could you possibly live that way? Well, we did it. Uh, if you were buying a house in the 70s, there, there you go. And so <clears throat> we have to think uh, zero is not realistic. 15% is, is really not realistic. Um, that, that really more like about 5% is going to be historical, historically an average. And so it, a couple things, a couple headwinds, some things to keep in mind that, that when interest rates rise fast, it, it does, uh, and I'm going to lean on uh, my buddy Jeremy uh, for a couple of these thoughts. Uh, he's one of our, um, he's kind of the leader of our, of our fund manager group. And 
you know, the, the, the first group uh, that it affects when interest rates rise fast would be the, the U.S. consumer. Uh, borrowing becomes more expensive. And so kind of like what you're saying, anybody looking for a home, they're certainly feeling that for sure. And uh, second would be U.S. businesses because a lot of businesses live off borrowed money. And when they're having to borrow money to add to their facilities or equipment, uh, add labor, et cetera, it, it's, it, it means that they're going to be passing on those increased costs to the consumer. And then uh, lastly, for the stock market, <coughs> uh, higher rates create higher bond coupon payments. Um, the, the, the challenge is as rates go up, your bond values can go down. Uh, but you, you actually could get more yield uh, from it. And so um, people might ask, well, gosh, if, if I can get uh, 5% with no risk and my stocks, like I, my dividend portfolio this year is only uh, up, you know, 3%, should I just put everything in bonds? And uh, if somebody asks you that, what would you say? Uh, I think, I, th- I, th- I think everybody's a little different. I know it's like the stereotypical answer that a financial planner gives, but um, sticking everything in bonds for five percent interest. You know, I, I mean, there's worse things you could do, right? You could go put everything in uh, the mattress, the mattress, or you know, put it all on you know Tesla to keep outperforming, right? Or, you know, whatever. But there are worse things you could do than put everything in a bond. But that's that's not the recommendation we're going to be given to clients. And I think I I generally um, fall into a camp where I think if if you have short term expenses. Uh, if you have things that you need to buy within a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, uh, I, th- I think it's totally appropriate and wise and prudent to uh, be thinking about short-term low-risk investments for those uh, upcoming liabilities. Like our stable value, for example. Correct. Um, so, you know, we've got – I've got a couple clients going through th- – a rough family situation, uh, kids are involved and, you know, I'm recommending the stable value fund until the dust settles, uh, on, you know, the parents and the health challenges that they're going through. And then once the dust settles, it's like, let's, let's pick that up because we might need that access to that money. Um, but I think there's, there's wisdom as you look at the history of the stock market and how wealth is generated is that you got to you got to keep some allocation of your wealth in stocks and so even in times where 4 and 5% sound great an allocation of your wealth to stock and equities during those times over the long haul usually works out better um and i would say to a lot of our clients and a lot of people listening, uh, that that you just don't want to go all in on uh, one specific investment strategy because while right now that's attractive, and even our stable value fund, it, it tracks these high interest rates. And if those start to decline, I mean, I've already we've had conversations with clients. And they said, "Well, it always be five. Well, you know, it could change, but that's where we step in and we'll let you know yes. if it's down to four and three percent. There might be a better option, but for what you need right now, let's let's hang out there. So it can it's dynamic, it's changing, and uh, I think diversification 
is a really important investment strategy and you usually don't want to go all in on one type of investment. You want to spread that out so that you can bring your risk down and have higher risk adjusted returns. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, one of the uh, the common pitfalls and it's a natural pitfall and I know everybody when they hear it, they agree on paper, but it's emotionally a very, very difficult thing to do. But naturally when there we see a, a an interest rate of five percent. Well, let's just bail everything. Let's go get the five percent, and um, and then we'll get back in the market when things start going better. And uh, that sounds so logical, but the challenge is, as our listeners have heard me say before, it it almost never works. It works occasionally. So you'll go to this you know, cocktail party or the bridge party or whatever. And somebody will say, well, my advisor got me out and we didn't ride that thing down. He got me out. And, and so you hear that thing, man, I wish I had an advisor that got me out and everything. Well, I guarantee if that advisor, if that advisor is getting people in and getting people out, we haven't heard the next chapters of that story because that next chapter or the chapter after that is he's not he's going to miss when to get back in because nobody can predict the future to know exactly when to get out when to get in so what you're saying is so key where you can strategically and it changes over time and the way i started this this whole discussion was it sounds self-serving but i would tell the listeners you need uh, people, either us or people <clears throat> like us, who can objectively uh, draw you out about your situation and help you allocate in a way that can keep you off that emotional kind of reaction roller coaster that will cause you to make bad decisions. Yeah, and I was just thinking too, you know, we started off, you know, is, is 5% an appropriate withdrawal rate, is 6%? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, and maybe it's geographically where we live and with the clients that we work with. I mean, I, I, uh, I enjoy the type of people that I get to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I generally do. I think people in this area are kind. They're, uh, uh, they're just great people to yeah, work we, with. But, we, we have some of the best clients in the universe. But at the same time, there. I wouldn't say all of them, but a good portion of them are generally pretty conservative, mm-hmm. not not politically, but just, you know, I've, I've earned what I've earned. I want to make sure that I can keep it. Right. And, you know, they'd probably fall in line with averages, too, that I haven't, you know, a nest egg. I've got, you know, I've, I've got my savings. I'd like to live off my interest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd like to pass that on to my kids, whatever's left over. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty common thing. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't cover everybody, but it's common. Um, but for every one of those, there's also somebody else that's in a different situation where maybe they, they don't have kids or maybe they, uh, the, the alternative is maybe they saved a lot and they also spend really, really little. So there's like this big chasm between what they've saved and they would never spend that money in a million, you know, maybe a million years, but they wouldn't spend it in two lifetimes. Mm. And so when we talk about withdrawal rates, if somebody says, well, I'm just going to, you know, 5%, I'm, I'm going to get in bonds and I'm going to take out 5%. Uh, for somebody that doesn't have 
children <laughs> and they want to use that money and maybe they don't have legacy concerns, you can actually go above and beyond the safe withdrawal rate, five or six percent, because you got to you got to eat into the principal yep. uh, in order to do it. You have other people, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that their spending is so far below what they've saved their whole life. There can, it's almost a psychological conversation where uh, you'll tell them that you could take out 5% and they'll say, well, I'll take out two. Uh, and, and again, I'm not, not picking on anybody, but uh, I know as I, my clients have heard me say I'm to the age now where I uh, get these invitations, you know, for the dinner, dinner seminars in the mailbox and, one day last week, I got two in one day, you know, to two different seminars. And um, and I know uh, at this conference, one of the things that I heard was that uh, <clears throat> the guys that are selling annuities, you know, that's kind of what they lead with. They're killing it because people, you know, see this volatility in the market and they hear a salesman say, hey, we've got upside potential with no risk of loss and, and uh, you know, stay out of that mean old market. You need to be safe because you'll lose all your money in the market. How much do you want to lose? You know, well, I don't want to lose anything. You know, that, that whole pitch. And, and so those guys are just killing it. And so, well, Paul, what are you saying? That annuities are bad? Well, n- not necessarily. But what, what can end up happening is because the, the, the insurance companies can really capitalize on the fear and more people will, can buy into those than maybe is even appropriate mm-hmm. just because of that, that fear factor. And so we, perfect world, we want to stay away from that. Now, if somebody wants to get an annuity from me, we can do that. Um, but they need to understand kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, the why we would do it. And it needs to be done strategically and not just like uh, I've seen a lot of guys do. Well, they'll say, well, I know that, that compliance will let me put up to 50%. So I'll just take 50% of their money and put it in an annuity. Eh, not not a good idea. So anyway, <clears throat> that that that's covered mainly what I wanted to talk about today that as interest rates go up and down our income strategies are going to change even from year to year Mm -hmm. and so have a plan and a plan that can pivot according to those changing rates I think that's a great place to stop today Paul if anybody wants to get in touch with us uh, we are Providence Advisors Group uh, out of North Shore Drive in Pellissippi, where they intersect, you can give us a call, 865-770-5031, or you can go to our website, makingfinanceseasier.com, and there's a button that says schedule a meeting, and you can get in touch with us that way. But until next time. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas 
ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. We are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration, the Federal Medicare Program, or any other government agency. Calling this number will direct you to a licensed sales agent.